Hi, and welcome to Be the Flagship with our podcast host, Jeff Parsons. This is where we tackle the day-to-day talent management challenges you face, particularly in hospice and small healthcare organizations. And now, over to our host. Take it away, Jeff. Hello, I'm Jeff Parsons, your podcast host for Be the Flagship. Uh, to refresh your memory, this month is Healthcare Process Improvement Month, or at least as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so all of our episodes in January are focused on how to improve your processes, how to be more effective and efficient within your healthcare organization. And to help me accomplish that, I have Terry Norris, a lean healthcare expert. He's been with me this month for our episodes. Our first episode focused on what lean healthcare is. And then the second episode on why it fails, and and it does fail, and what we can do to prevent failure and achieve success. And for the remainder of the month, we're going to focus on specific tools you can use to improve your processes in healthcare. So, Terry Norris. But first, a commercial break. (laughs) At Flagship Talent, we work with our clients to find and place the right talent. What do we mean by the right talent? We mean we find talent who will commit to your organizational goals and align with your values and behavior expectations. Talent who will perform to your expectations. Talent who will stay and grow with your organization. How are we different from our competitors? We offer the lowest fee structure in the industry. We offer the best talent guarantee in the industry. We provide selection and interviewing support to our clients at no additional fee. We want to save you money, deliver high-quality talent, become an extension of your organization, and be your preferred provider of talent acquisition solutions. To learn more, contact Jeff Parsons by email at jeff at flagshiptalent.com or by phone at 1-800-530-4189, extension 101. Okay, so Terry, thank you for joining us again. Uh, We're glad to have you. Thank you. Yes, my pleasure. Good. And uh, just to recap where we've been on this lean healthcare journey to this point, uh, the first episode of this month focused on what lean healthcare is, what it looks like, and you did a great job describing lean healthcare. Uh, The second episode, last week's episode, focused on why lean initiatives fail, and they often do fail. So you focused on that and what organizations can do to prevent failure. So that was a great episode. This week, we're going to get into some of the meat of lean. We're going to get into the tools so that when you're ready to make a process improvement, you know, lean tools, you know, I envision a toolbox, right, that you might have in your garage or, or that sort of thing. And, and when you have a job to do, you open up the toolbox and hopefully you use the right tool. Now, oftentimes, I'll, I'll pull out a screwdriver to do a hammer's work, but uh, you want to use the right tool to accomplish your objective. And, and so these next episodes, I believe we're going to talk about the various lean tools you can use and, you know, why they're appropriate and how you can use them. So again, thank you for your time uh, today, Terry. So let's start with the concept of a rapid improvement event. Uh, so what is a rapid improvement event? Okay, thanks, Jeff. Um, so the general idea of a rapid improvement event is to make, you know, it's kind of implied in how you say it, but it's to make an improvement quickly that if you did it through traditional project management or just not even really good project management, 
But the way things normally work, it may take six or seven or eight or nine months to do something that you could do in a week or 30 days uh, with a rapid improvement event. So they're designed to to turn things around quickly. And I may have mentioned in some of the previous uh, talking, but, you know, lean takes some time to build a culture for sure. But you can make some really, really big improvements quickly using a rapid improvement event. Okay. So is a rapid improvement event the same thing as a Kaizen event? Yes. And I, I thought about mentioning that because one of the things I've got away from, I mean, early on in my lean journey was using Japanese words. However, there are a few that you <laughs> just can't get away from. And that's one of them, you know, Gimba and Kaizen. But Kaizen is a Japanese word. If you break it down, it just means good change. So it's continuous improvement, more loosely interpreted. But yes, it is the same thing. Okay. We're just using a little more modern wording for it then. English, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So we're talking about Kaizen events. Uh, we're, again, they're rapid improvement events. And um, so there are various tools that you can use when you begin a rapid improvement event. And one of those is value stream mapping. So can you first give us an overview of what that is and then i have a question or two for you before you break it down into detail okay for sure so the overall idea is to capture all the steps in a process so you have to know what your first step is and what your last step is and then what are the steps in between and almost everything you know everything is a process or there's processes within a bigger bigger process but a lot of times people don't recognize it that, that, you know, that is a process that could be improved. So that's why I always sort of emphasize, you know, there's what is the first step of this thing we're looking at in the last step? And then we want to map out a flow chart, almost kind of that idea, capture all the steps in between. So you capture all the steps, but this is different than a process flow chart, right? I mean, I can take a process and I can take an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper and I can sort of document, well, this process feeds into this process, which feeds into that process. Here are your inputs and here are your outputs to the process. I can do that. But I do recall in some of the rapid improvement events I've been a part of in the past, we would have an entire conference room wallpapered with the large flip chart paper. So it goes in a lot more detail than just what you can uh, write down on an eight and a half by 11 slip of paper is that right yes and you you nailed it when you said it it provides more information so the biggest differences and the biggest difference between a flow chart and a value stream map is information so a good value stream map will show how the supplies are entered if there are supplies involved show the communication it'll show barriers to flow it has different you know different maps have different data but it may have your manual touch time for each step your flow time for each step but you know the big point is that it does provide a lot more information than just a flow chart so there are uh, there are various types of uh, value stream maps correct yes so what are those types Terry well, there's there's three primary. There's really two primary. I, I have a practice of using three and really four, but not to get not to make this confusing. But there's just current state mapping. What's your current state, right? What are you, how are you doing things now? And your future state map. 
what do you want it to look like in the future once you've incorporated some improvement? Those are really the two main ones. I use something called a site clock, which I can explain in a little bit if you'd like, but that's sort of a pre-work. And then occasionally, most of the time actually in my work, I do an ideal state map before the future state. But almost, honestly, even that I've seen anyway, almost nobody uses that one. However, it can be widely beneficial, but it can be super helpful. Okay. So when you're putting together a value stream map, uh, that's more of a team exercise, yes, isn't it? Yes, it shouldn't be, and it should be done by the people that are actually doing the work. And I always recommend having more than one person, like one, like a specialty. So, for example, if you're doing something in the operating room, the OR, you would have two OR nurses, not just one. That way you get the different perspectives of, of how that actually is happening. Okay. And, and when you're pulling together a current state map, uh, isn't it important to try to understand where the obstacles are in the process or, you know, the bottlenecks or that sort of thing? Yes, and that's really one of the, the, the overall primary reason of doing a map is so you can build a better future, you know, have some improvement. But the reason to help you get to that with the current state map, yes, you want to identify barriers to flow, things that slow down the process, where's the waste, things like that. We want to identify, I refer to them as barriers to flow, things that slow things down. And that helps us understand what we need to work on to and, make and it better. And you need to do that before you can get to the future state, right? I mean, I, I can envision having a wall covered with this map with all the barriers and and you really can't even envision what the future state would look like until you understand really where you are today, right? And what needs to improve. For sure, for sure. And there's a quote by Einstein, hopefully I'll get it right here, but I use it frequently. But he said, basically, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I would spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. And that's so counterintuitive to how most of us, including me, before I got into this, how we think. We're usually, what's the problem? And then we spend the rest of the time. But to really get your, to you get your really good improvements, you need to understand, really understand the current state. And not always, but most of the time, once you understand the current state, really understand it, it, start, it starts becoming quite obvious on the things that need to be improved. Yeah, and it really helps you. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, understand your process. And oftentimes we make assumptions about it, right? Or, or we say, well, this worked last time we had a problem, so let's just do this again, right? And you find yourself using the shotgun approach, you know, hoping that, you know, you'll hit a target at some point, at some point in time or using your intuitiveness rather than really understanding the process and, and what the true barriers are and then and then having that shorter discussion, I guess, on, on what you can do to, to get rid of those barriers, right? Yeah, oh, that, that happens frequently. Yes, sir. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so the overall idea of value stream mapping is if you were talking to someone about we really need to do a value stream map, what would you tell them in terms of the value it brings? Well, it helps us understand how things are happening now, which most people really, really don't want to spend any time on until they understand, until they've done it once or twice. And then they're like, oh, and then the light comes on. But it helps us 
improve things. It helps us make things better. Biostream mapping is a very, very powerful tool in helping identify waste, things that are uh, slowing down things, fl- barriers to flow, and then uh, some other some other tools along with it helps us build a future state to make it much, much better. And earlier you mentioned, you called it a SIPOC map, an S-I-P-O-C. So what in the world is that, Terry? Can you talk more about that? Yes, and it's it's it's, a, it's like a 30,000 foot view of the process. So the each of those letters stands for something. The S is for suppliers, the I is for inputs, the P is for process, the O is for output, and then the C is for customer. So we use this tool. I used it three or four weeks in advance of a rapid improvement event. And I only work the P part, the process. I'll say, okay, you know, we know what our first step is and our last step because we figure that out using the A3, a different tool. But then we map out, you know, six, seven, eight, five, seven, whatever. It depends on how big the process is, but just the big steps in the process in between the first and the last step. We do that under process, under the P. Then we go to the S over on the left-hand side and we say, okay, well, who provides the input for that step and for that step and that step? And through that exercise, a few weeks out, it helps us understand who needs to be on the team because we identify everyone that has an engagement, you know, that touches that process. So that's how I use it in advance and then generally finish it up on day one, the morning of the rapid improvement event with the full team. There are exceptions to that, but that's generally how I like to do it. So just a quick question. On average, based on your experience, how long does a rapid improvement event last? You know, it's funny. I've seen this over the years changed. I don't know if it's with culture. I'm not really sure, but it started out really four and a half days during the week. You're doing a rapid improvement event on a, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a process. It's not, you know, teeny tiny. It's not necessarily giant either, but it's just an average size process. And then I don't honestly, this is across industry. Well, I say across industry, it's across companies uh, that I've worked with. But now pretty much everyone wants to do them in three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So in general, an average, I would say like right now they're three days. Just again, there's exceptions to everything. And occasionally you have really, really small processes with a small scope that you literally can do in a day. You're doing all the same steps, but the process is just so small that you're able to work through it quickly, you know, much more, much more quickly. I see. You know, it's interesting. Again, I go back to my corporate days and um, walk into a conference room and I see the entire walls in the conference room wallpapered with the value stream map. And uh, the reaction was interesting, especially when we had visitors. You know, if we had the CEO step in, pardon me, the CEO step in or something like that. And they would take a look at it. And it was, it was great for visual management. It was great to understand that, wow, you know, we're really getting, getting our arms around the process and what we need to do to do better. But it was, you know, it could impress, it could impress visitors. So we'd tend to leave them on the walls for a while. I I thought that was humorous. Tell you what, Terry, Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, how about giving us some more information on the current state value stream now? Did you know that most employees quit their boss before they quit their company? At Flagship Talent, we take your bosses and create organizational leaders. 
we bring over 30 years of leadership development and coaching expertise to your organization and have developed leaders in most parts of Europe, mainland China, Thailand, and the Americas. We have also developed leaders in most industries, including hospice and other small healthcare. Our approach is always customized to your specific organizational needs. We utilize a leadership coaching approach for individual managers, identifying their skills gaps and providing just-in-time training to address the gaps. We then coach the manager in a way that facilitates the application of new learning and skills in their unique work environment and helps them overcome their specific challenges. We also offer customized leadership training on your site to develop your entire leadership team. We are committed to meeting your scheduling challenges and within your budget. Need a virtual option? We have that too. We offer online development for your managers and make it available on their schedule. To learn more, contact Jeff Parsons by email at jeff at flagshiptalent.com or by phone at 1-800-530-4189, extension 101. Your managers have the greatest impact on employee engagement, performance, and retention. What are you waiting for? Let's take your managers and create leaders. Okay, we're back, Terry. Let's wrap up today's episode with a discussion on value stream mapping the current state. So can you give us your thoughts on current state value stream mapping? Sure. And and just to kind of piggyback on what you said, one of the things that's interesting and you can almost, you can anticipate it, is once a team uh, builds, uh, they map out their current state and they've never done it before, almost always somebody, if not multiple people, will say, I had no idea, you know, that it took this many steps to do that one thing. So it's always, uh, I mean, almost always an opener for the team. So it's, it's, it's interesting in that as well. But to the, a couple of big points for current state mapping, and I've had to do them through swim lanes. I've done a single line. I've done vertical. I've done horizontal. And people get caught up on that that a little bit, but to me, it doesn't matter. You know, whatever format. If I'm working for it as a contract, and they're like, "Do it this way, fine." There's two important components to doing a current state map, I believe, and that's capturing all the steps in between that first and that last step. So you want to capture all the steps. And some people say, "Well, what level of detail do you get in?" And I always say, "Err on the side of too much detail, then erring on the side of leaving out steps." So, you know, use judgment, map out all the steps, and be honest. Those are the two biggies. And when I say be honest, people don't generally just come to, you know, to tell falsehoods and to lie, but they come in, they're like, well, you know, they know how it's supposed to be. I've had people bring in their standard operating procedure kind of things. We're just going to write. I said, no, don't put that away. I want to know how you're actually doing it now, right now. And we do, along with current state map, and we do observations in addition to that. So we go out and watch the process ourselves. So when we do come back in and we map it out, even if it's a process I know nothing about, after I've observed it for a few hours, I can be like, that's not what I saw. You know what I mean? So we want to make sure we get all the steps and we're honest about how it's happening right now. And, and you're, you know, going back to your earlier comment, you're right. It is an eye opener for the people who are involved in, in the process. And I've seen some active debate uh, among members of the team uh, around processes and uh, barriers and waste and all those types of things. It, it creates some interesting, most of the time, very productive discussion around what the organization is really doing versus what they thought they were doing. 
So let's wrap this episode up today. And uh, I'd like to wrap it up with a quote. But first, thank you again, Terry, for your contribution this week. And I'll see you next time. Thank you. Yes, my pleasure. Yes, and I look forward to next week's episode uh, where we will further the discussion on value stream mapping and get into some other lean concepts that will help our listeners improve their organization's processes, effectiveness, and efficiency. So let's end this episode with a quote. And again, our topic for discussion is process improvement, so this quote is relevant, I think, and it is. We cannot become what we want to be by remaining what we are. And that's by Max Dupree. Again, we cannot become what we want to be by remaining what we are. And so that's the definition of being the flagship, right? We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Flagship with Jeff Parsons. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did like it, please subscribe and share with others. Until next time, take the step to become the flagship in your marketplace.